like you wouldn't believe. Very good. Today's reading is from Matthew 5, 43 to 48, Love for Enemies. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rains on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you've been following along with our, uh, our travels this past summer, a group of us went to East Africa, and while we were there, we stayed in the guest house that's run by uh, Philbert's organization, Reach. And one of the things we had the opportunity to do, myself and Chris and Bill Thompson and Ginger Holt and my daughter, Audra, was to visit uh, some of the communities that Philbert has been working in. Philbert um, will tell you a little bit about himself, but since I don't know exactly what you're going to say, uh, let me give a brief introduction. He was born a refugee of Rwandan parents in the country of Burundi and uh, lived in a refugee camp and lived as a refugee until he was about 30 years old. Through that time, he um, uh, decided to go to school in England, and while he was um, educated there, he began to work on his dissertation on what it would take for reconciliation to happen within the, within the church and through the church post-genocide in Rwanda. He was one of the first people then to go back to Rwanda and to invite the church to consider reconciliation very brave and powerful request. And so for these last 25 years, his work has been in um, encouraging communities of reconciliation to develop. And what I've learned as um, I've listened to him these last, this last year uh, is that reconciliation is an ongoing process. 25 years on, there is still work to be done, not just because of the genocide, but, but culturally between men and women. Not only, um, reconciliation is not only about saying, I forgive you, although that's important, but then also working together for justice and for a different kind of world. And so would you please join me in, um, in welcoming one of my heroes, and a good friend, Philbert Kalisa.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this new day that you have given us. And we pray, Lord, that this time may be a special time for every one of us. And please speak to us and we are to listen to what you are to tell us. Use me, Lord, so that um, I may speak your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I bring you greetings from uh, your brothers and sisters in Rwanda, and also from my family, my wife and the three children. And I want to thank you so much for welcoming me in this beautiful church. Let me thank Pastor Jenny and all of you to give me this privilege and honor to come and preach here today. Thank you for trusting me. I know it is not easy to let a person like me preach because of different reasons. One, I don't speak good English like you. Second, I'm not ordained in the Presbyterian Church. And three, I come from Rwanda, a country that has been only known because of the genocide. Many people didn't know Rwanda until 1994, when we experienced the genocide against the Tutsis, where over one million people were killed in 100 days. Therefore, without your kindness and generosity, without your forgiveness and love, truly I don't deserve this honor that you have given me today. So thank you very much indeed, and God bless you. I pray that the Lord would speak through me and touch our hearts deeply. In every society, there are good people who strive for peace and justice, who really work hard to support unity and the welfare of human beings. There are other groups of people who seem to enjoy committing crimes and whose goal is to cause insecurity and injustice. From time to time, we hear those people who want to destroy lives like the terrorists. Those are the enemies of human beings and I can assure you that they don't only live in Rwanda. You can find them everywhere in this planet. Their aim is to kill, destroy, and bring conflicts and divisions and cause troubles in our communities. How can we live with such people? How can we experience unity and peace while we have such people among us? 
Should we really love them or hate them? What does Jesus say about those people? And we've heard from the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. That says, you've heard that was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that we may be the children of your Father in heaven. These words are not easy. When you read this, you hear about it, you think these are simple. But I tell you, these are not simple. Why should we love our enemies? One, because Jesus has requested us to do so. Actually, it is not even a request. It is a command. And two, because God loves them. And because we want to be the children, sons and daughters of our Father in heaven and be partakers of his divine nature. We should love them because God also loves them. If you love your enemy and treat them well, you will truly show that Jesus is the Lord of your life. This is possible only to those who give themselves fully to God and who surrender their lives to Jesus because only Jesus can save his people from their selfishness. We must trust the Holy Spirit to help us show love to those who do not deserve it. The Pharisees' teachings were different because for them, you should love only those who love you and hate those who hate you. But this, Jesus' teaching is different. Instead of claiming your rights and justice, Jesus wants to give, you, to give them away freely. In other words, according to Jesus, it is more important to give justice and mercy to others than to receive it. And by telling us to take, not to take revenge, Jesus keeps us away from taking the law into our own hands. Judgment and justice for our enemies are in God's hands, not in our hands. And he's the one who will deal with them rather than ourselves. As you heard, I come from a country full of enemies. I experienced this myself since my birth. My parents exiled in another country because of the enemies from a different tribe. And I found myself being born in a refugee camp where I spent 18 years without citizenship, without any country that I belonged. I carried my refugee status for almost 30 years, and one of my children was also born as a refugee. So three generations, my dad, myself, and my daughter experienced this terrible thing. Sometimes to describe life in refugee camp, 
it's not easy for you to understand. But uh, being in this refugee camp for 18 years, I learned a lot, and the God taught me a lot of things. And that's what, why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Because I don't really like to see people suffering from injustice. I don't want to see people being marginalized. I really want people to, to live peacefully. That's why I gave my life to this kind of ministry. Therefore, what I'm saying today, I'm a witness, and my experience is long enough to understand the value of Jesus' teaching on how we can deal with our enemies. The best way to deal with our enemies is not to hate or to kill them because, one, it won't help you at all. It will not reduce your pain or your suffering. Instead, it will create more damage in you. And the hate could spread to your own family and even from generation to generations. And two, when you take revenge, you actually become a slave of your enemies. And they will be in the control of your brain and emotions because by taking revenge, you will be fulfilling their goals and expectations. So sometimes when somebody offends you, Maybe he has a goal. And when you try to take revenge or to hit back, that means they are just like controlling your brain. And actually you become a slave because you are fulfilling what the enemy wants you to do. The very best way to deal with your enemies is to try and find ways in which you can make them friends. They may not be necessarily your friends, but when you love them, you will be free and be in a position of controlling them. And by just simply reacting differently in a way that they, don't, they didn't expect. And when you manage it, they will not know how to respond to it. And often, they may change their attitudes and behaviors just because they don't know how to deal with that. In love, there is special power that could transform enemies into friends. How can we find such love in us? God is the source of this love. And loving God and others are so interrelated that we cannot have one without the other. It is easy to say we love God when that love doesn't cost anything. Doesn't cost you anything. But the test, the real test for our love for God is how we treat other people. We cannot truly go, uh, love God while neglecting those 
who are created in his own image. Friends, if you want to build a healthy community and peaceful society, we will have to love our enemies because hate for hate only intensifies the existence of hate and the evil in the universe. Hate is like a cancer that consumes that which is good and healthy in us. If we allow it to invade our soul, it will actually destroy both our souls and bodies. Hate drives us away from the very source of life and leads us to death. Love is the objective of our, of our lives, our well-being, our health and happiness. Often we think that our lives rely on diet or fitness or wealth, yet none of these things mean anything without love. Again, we must remember that to be unloved is painful and miserable. Whenever you feel unloved, your life becomes useless, no purpose, no vision, no direction, and no hope. As we strive to build healthy and united communities, let us also express this love to the poor, the marginalized, and the suffering. The Bible tells us how we should love all his creation and how to uphold the cause of the oppressed and how to love the strangers, feed the hungry, sustain the orphans and the widows. Such love compels us not only to love mercy, but also to do justice and advocacy for the voiceless. We must stand with them and expose those who oppress and exploit them. My dear brothers and sisters, let us not be afraid to denounce evil and injustice wherever they exist and whenever we can. As much as we are willing to do this, actually, the number of enemies will be reduced. Corruption and the crime will be reduced and our communities will become stronger, healthy, and peaceful. If we love one another, we learn how to transcend our differences and we not be afraid to sacrifice our own interest for the sake of building healthy community. This is only possible when we humble before God and willing to listen to one another. To build a peaceful community requires that we learn how to listen to one another. Learn from each other and respect one another. We need to learn from our many talents, cultures and diversities and challenges, even our problems and frustrations. And finally, to love our enemies requires to forgive them. For Christians, forgiveness is so important because it was freely given to us and God forgave us and requests us to forgive others. None of us has done anything to deserve God's forgiveness 
And there is nothing we can do to earn this special gift from God. It is a gift that God has freely given without any condition attached to it. That's what makes it a gift. Since we have been forgiven by God, even though we didn't deserve it, it is the same way you should forgive our enemies. Forgiveness means to let go your desire to take revenge and no longer hold on to bitterness and the anger towards someone. Forgiveness is choosing to not let them control your life anymore. With forgiveness, there is no middle way. You either forgive or you don't. As we strive to build our communities, let us also remember that living with hate is like living with a venom inside of our body. When a snake, I'm talking about poisonous ones. Probably here you have um, snakes which don't have a poison. But in Africa, I can tell you after 10 minutes or 20, you are just gone. So when a snake bites you, it leaves a venom inside of your body. And that venom can kill you if you don't look for the doctor quickly and remove it from your body. You don't have to run after the snake and please don't try to look for the snake first. Just mind your own life first and then look for the snake later after you have saved your life as it is the most important. This is how human beings should deal with their enemies. One of the things that I find hard in this work that I'm doing is that many people get angry of the offenders and they want to take revenge. And by doing that, actually, you become a victim twice. One, you are a victim because you have lost your family members. They have probably stolen everything you had. You were beaten or raped or whatever. And so you are a victim of what has happened. And then secondly, you are also a victim of the hate. Because those people who offended you, you are carrying them on your shoulders. And always you are talking about them and all that. And so you cannot move. And so you can't get freedom. So the best way to deal with your enemies really is trying to see how you can make them friends. Make it as something that really is going to save you. Not, don't think about him or her. Just think about your own life. And that's what I have been doing in the last 20 years. And you have, I have seen a lot of changes. A lot of people who have been able to forgive those who kill their families. And uh, you find them even working together, even traveling together to give testimonies in schools, in churches, and so on. And then you wonder, why are they doing this? Just because they simply have understood that living with hate is just like having this venom that can kill your soul, can kill your body. 
once you get it from, from you, then you can think about the snake. And that's how you can also deal with your enemies. Don't see your enemies that you need to hunt them. You, have, you cannot finish them. You even don't know who they are. Sometimes, you know, like uh, the, the events here, September 11, what happened to this country? We all cried about this country. A big nation that everybody knows is a superpower country in the whole world. But something like that happened. And how did you respond? How do you respond to this? It's just trying to hunt those people you think. And by doing it, you kill everybody. And then the hate continues and it continues and it continues and so on. But sometimes forgiveness and love is not a sign of, of weakness. Actually, it is a strength. So brothers and sisters, I encourage you that in your relationship, wherever you are, work hard for peace and strive for peace and know that this is what God wants you to do. Don't think about any other thing, but the best way to live a good life is really to have peace with yourself, with God, and with one another. So I pray that um, this time that I'm around with you, I wish I can have enough time to tell you all the testimonies and, and so on. And um, I just feel privileged that what God has commanded me to do, has called me to do, I have done it. And I'm not like claiming that what the success are mine, it's God, but I allowed him to use me to, into this ministry. So please continue to pray for this ministry. If you want to visit, Rwanda is safe. And um, I hope to see you there. Thank you. God bless you.